Love Talk Radio. Hey, it's Scott McCain, and welcome to our Labor Day show. It's exciting to be with you. It's going to be a great weekend for all of us. We're going to be doing a lot of broadcasting uh, to give you the chance to uh, talk more uh, with me directly. And, of course, we have the uh, I-24-7 station on Live365.com, and we're going to have a lot of uh, live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. So it's exciting, and I'm thrilled, and I guess you can tell it's fun to be back on the radio as well. At the time I'm on the radio, I was a uh, disc jockey as I paid my way through college. I worked all the way, all four years of high school on the radio. I uh, haven't been on the air for quite a while, and uh, this, this is fun. It's, it's good to be back on doing a talk show. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about over the next hour. We're going to talk about business, what's happening. And, and if you think about Labor Day, it takes off the last one-third of the year. And... Uh, we've had such an incredible year, such a challenging year, such a uh, difficult year with the economy. All of those kinds of things happening now, uh, it's the perfect time uh, for us to be reconsidering what the year is like and for us to be how we can have a better last third of the year than what the original part of the year has created for us. It's just an important time for us to be taking a look at what we can do, the compelling difference, to, to, to make things better than what they have been. All of those kinds of things are so doggone important and thing that we really need to be focusing on. So that's, that's part of why I hope you're here, is to, to take a look at what we can do to stand out and move up in this coming year, see what we can do to make the rest of the year better than this first part has been, to not get bogged down in how difficult it's been in the first part of the year, even though it's very easy to do. But Seth Godin had a blog, I believe, where he was talking about, okay, we know that you get more done when you think positively. People tend to, to focus on the negative. And part of his theory was it just feels good. <laughs> Whether that or not, it just, it just feels good to be negative in a sense. It, 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 the old line about love's company is certainly true. So what we have to do is to discipline ourselves. What is to uh, be better? And what does it take to move beyond these challenges? And what does it take to, to, to stand out and move up even as our competition fails? All of those things are so incredibly important. And all those uh, things are even more important when you have a year like what we've had, when you've had an economic season like what we've had, when you have the uh, economy and the situation that it's been in. Uh, as, as you have all of that going on, that becomes very, very important. And I notice already, uh, this being my first time here, this is uh, new for me to put a caller on the air, but it sounds like we do have a caller with us. Caller, are you there? We just lost him. I, I hung up on you. I'm sorry. Please call me back. If you would like to call in, uh, we do have a phone number for that. It's uh, area code 347-855-8312. Area code 347-855-8312. The number is If I mess up and hang up on you, I'm really sorry about that because I'm still working all the buttons here, and I haven't been on the air for so long. The radio has changed so incredibly since I was on the air years ago, and so uh, <laughs> it is different. If, if I messed up on you, we had a call there from area code 918, and so I invite you to call back. If uh, if I hung up on you, I'm, I'm terribly sorry. I would love to get you back on the air for a question. So we're doing great. We're here. We're glad you are. And uh, we look forward to, to continuing to talk with you here on Blog Talk Radio. It's live. It's Labor Day weekend. It's uh, it's talking about what we can do to, to make the rest of the year better. I, I, I a, a program on how the economy impacts attitude. 
In other words, what what is going on right now that that, that creates this uh, terrible challenge that we face? Because we've had such a difficult time with with with, with the attitude that we have, with all of the challenges that we've been facing here. And so uh, this uh, a little piece I recorded a little bit earlier about how the economy is impacted by the attitude that each of us bring marketplace. With all of today's concern about the economy, I'm reminded of an old story told by speakers long ago about the impact of attitude upon economic conditions. An artist in France entered a bistro to order an expensive bottle of wine to celebrate a new commission to paint a portrait of a successful businessman. After placing his order, he noticed a wrinkled newspaper on the ground with the headline, Hard Times Coming. He called over the manager and canceled his order for wine, stating, I can't be spending like this. Hard times are coming. The manager went to the phone and called his tailor and canceled his order for a new suit. I can't be spending like this. Hard times are coming. The tailor turned to the newspaper advertising salesman in his store and canceled his order for ads. I can't be spending like this, he said. Hard times are coming. The salesman called the publisher of his newspaper and told him that clients were canceling their advertisements in preparation of the coming hard times. So, the publisher called the artist to cancel the painting of his portrait and said, I can't be spending like this. Hard times are coming. Our artist returned to the same bistro to order a cheap bottle of wine to drown his sorrow and noticed the same newspaper with the same headline that he had observed earlier. Picking up the front page, he noticed stains on the paper and realized it had obviously been used to pack a shipment of equipment the restaurant had received. Looking at the date, he noticed the paper had been published five years earlier. Yet because of the artist's attitude and belief that hard times were coming, he had, in fact, ensured their arrival. I've read the most accurate predictor of the economy over the past 50 years has not been any economist or economic philosophy. It's simply been when the Gallup poll asks consumers, what do you feel the economy will be in the next six months of the general population? I want to suggest if we want to begin to improve the economy, we have to begin by changing our outlook. This is Scott McCain. What are you doing to overcome hard times, or are you doing something that, in fact, ensures them unintentionally by by our actions? But are we unfortunately ensuring that hard continue to come for one simple reason, and because we reinforce those hard times by how we think and how we act? If, if we continue to reinforce hard times, in other words, thinking the times are difficult, thinking the times are challenging, thinking the times are hard, think that happens we are going to, in fact, ensure that of hard times. One of the things we need to do is to uh, focus on the positive. And it's something like Pollyanna. Sometimes that sounds so unrealistic. Sometimes that sounds so to do, like something a motivational speaker says, someone without content, someone without, without depth, uh, it, it sometimes they're assumed to be, even though many times they're not. I, I think part of what we have to do is to understand that motivation without information breeds frustration. 
that what we have to do is to focus on those very things that we can do that will make a difference for us. Execute those strategic begins with the attitude. I'm not saying the attitude is the only step, but I'm certainly saying to you that attitude is the first step. That what we have to do is to find what we steps we can take, what actions are important, how we can move up in today's challenging economy. And that's that's gotta be the thing that we really take a look at. You know, an interesting blog on, on the C dot com site today was talking about the past and were the Bush years really that bad. Andrew Bush, and it's B-U-E-H is how he spells his name. He's a global finance strategist for the BMO Financial Group. says in his blog, today brings us to the favorite part of the month when we sign and think with the Bush years really that bad. Seriously, the August U.S. unemployment rate was expected to increase to 95 from 9.4 in July. Non-farm stood declined to 30K. Uh, the data came out, but basically what he's saying is that, remember, over the last two recessions, the Federal Reserve didn't start to raise rates for an entire year after unemployment peaked, suggesting is that perhaps those years that we uh, were, were frustrated about weren't really all that bad. It's all perspective. The last line of his blog is, today the headlines will scream, highest unemployment rate six years, and at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And, and that to a great degree is true. It's all that matters. It's what, what the outcome is and, and, and what the statistics are. And, and so part of what we have to understand is we look back on those times and we thought they were so terrible and everything was so bad and now statistics are worse. It's all a function of perspective. So how will you create a more compelling perspective for yourself? You know, at the end of the day, there's very few things over which we have complete and total and unrelenting control. And one of those is our attitude. I, I can't control what the tax rate is. I can't control what the government's about health care are going to be. But I can't control one thing. I can control how my attitude is about that. One of the things that for this last one-third of the year is the fact that it seems like we are speaking so loudly at each other without having a record each other. If we're going to make the last third of this year a, a better time of year, if we're going to find a way to make it more compelling, better, that part of what we're going to have to do is to, to find ways to communicate more effectively, to communicate in ways that lend itself to understanding and not, not I think that's part of where we get ourselves in so much trouble uh, as a society. Uh, even even the part that you or I may believe in, we believe it passionately, but yet at the same time, you're not very what you're shouting. No one is. I think we're more persuasive when we're listening we're more persuasive when we are suggesting, and we're more persuasive when we find ways to work with one another rather than to shout at one another. A lot of things to talk about tonight. I'd love to have you on the air, Tommy. The number to call in is area code 347-855-3312. 347-855-8312. 347-855-8312. We'll get you online here to, uh, on Blog Talk Radio. Scott McCain on the Labor Day Special. I'm really glad that you are here. Thank you for uh, in my book, Collapse of Distinction, I talk about how to stand out and move up as the competition fails. And as we use this liberty as a time to reassess, it's, it's, it's a, a time off. It's what my friend Nito Cobain calls a recess to reassess. It's time away for us to think about what we're going to do and how we're going to our lives and, and how we're going to improve. You know, one of the things we have to ask, first of all, is how in the world did we get in this mess? What, what did we do to get to the point where everything seems the same, where we we can't tell the difference between 
one customer and another where we have a difficult time knowing and understanding what's you know what makes us different or special or how we find a way to make a difference well one of the things that I did was to try to research what happened and how did we get into this mess. One of the things that I look back on was the time back in the late 1970s, I had a chance to travel Union. So the Union back then, it wasn't even, I mean, it was Russia, but it wasn't the country. We're all together, of course, in the Communist Years Union. And I had a chance to travel there and, and represent the youth of agriculture and find ways to talk there and try to talk to them about what America was all about. Fascinating trip, incredible opportunity. Square, watching the tumult, and after it was over, it was just it was chilling, bone chilling cold, and the guards are walking in. They're doing the goose stepping like you've seen in the, the movies about the Soviets or even the earlier movies about the Nazis, and and it was just it was so cold and lifeless and heartless. It was absolutely terrifying to watch. Our tomb of the unknown in Arlington National Cemetery in our country, where it's done with great precision and great polish, there was something that was so different about this experience watching the changing of the guard at Lennon's tomb. And after it was over, I was approached by an elderly gentleman, and he opened up his coat and opened up the shirt beneath the coat, and he pointed to a scar that ran across his chest, and he, he said in broken English, war. No more war, please, no more war. And I stood and I, I, I was shocked because of a couple of things. Number one, obviously, we always think of ourselves as the good guys. You know, we're the Americans that they're going to, or we'll certainly defend ourselves against the Soviet Union, but I never thought of us as the ones who would be the ones that they would be afraid of, the ones that would be the aggressor. And, and, and the second thing is, how in the world, out of all these people, in, in the middle of Red Square, did he pick me out as being an American? And I asked the young person standing next to him, who was obviously helping him in translating, and they talked back and forth, and he, he re- I was thankful to visit his country, and he relayed that I felt that we were a peace-loving people, and then he asked the question that I had asked, how did you pick me out as an American? And he replied, your clothes have color and you are smiling. That made you different. It must mean you are an American. And it it shocked me. It shocked me beyond belief to think that because my clothes had color as opposed to their drab, government-issued gray, and and, and that made me different. But the other part, because it was smiling, it made me different. But the amazing lesson that I learned that day was simply this, and if you're different, you stand out. Even in a crowd as large as those that were watching the changing of the guard at Red Square, if you if you're different, you stand out, and people want to approach you, and people want to have a conversation with you, and it was just one of the most incredible moments of my life. My question for you is: as we approach this final third of the year, as we celebrate Labor Day, what's different about what you do? What's different about how you communicate, about how you serve your customers, about how you do things in your business? What makes you stand out and move up, even as your competition is having challenging times this year? What would make you stand out? What would make you different? What would be something that we would notice, be someone that we would notice? How can you find to make a compelling difference? If you don't know the answer, then... 
there's your first issue. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. If, if you don't know the answer to that one, then how in the world can you ever think that you're going to stand out and move up? If you don't know, then, then how in the world will you be able to, to stand out and move up, even as your competition? You, you've got to find a way to create that compelling difference. And so being attract people to you, being different, will that, that, that very fun of, of finding some kind of meaningful and compelling difference will, will drop people to you. And I call it the Ebert effect in the book. Many years ago, I, I had a movie review, so it was syndicated as a movie review on TV stations all across the United States, Australia. And, and I had great fortune to meet Roger Ebert, the famed movie reviewer. And many years earlier, Roger had reviewed a movie that, that I act in called, it's a Werner Herzog film about German immigrants coming to the United States and, and trying to find the pot of gold, which of course is, is existent. And, and so the, uh, the amazing thing about the movie is it has stood the test of time. I mean, it's still being shown, and Roger was showing it at what he called Ebert Fest, even this last year, and we had a chance to go visit with and Herzog there. The reason I bring that up is because I, a few years back, I had a chance to sit and visit with Roger, and, and he was joking about being a movie reviewer now, and I kind of threw it back at him, saying that, well, you know, would have loved Texas Chainsaw Massacre if only it would have had subtitles. <laughs> and he laughed, and he said, yeah, that, that's great. But he said, Scott, how, how many movies a week are you, are you watching? And I said, well, just, you know, one, the one I do the movie review on. He said, Scott, I'm watching a movie a day, sometimes two, sometimes three. And he said, when you're overwhelmed with similarity, something different stands out. It taught me what I call the book The Ebert Effect. The Ebert Effect is simply this. When we are overwhelmed with similarity, something that is different or not is perceived to be superior. When we are overwhelmed with if something is different, it is then perceived to be superior. So therefore, whether you're better than your kind or not is irrelevant. If you're different, what people do not want is this mass of similarity. What we want is some kind of compelling differentiation. What we want is some kind of, of difference that is going to make that difference for us. We'd love to talk to each with you on this Labor Day weekend. The guest call-in number is 347-855-8312. Again, sorry to that caller from area code 918 accidentally cut off there. Would love to try to get you back if you'd like to try to get through. I will try to. I will try to make it work out. You know, I, I'm learning these uh, these new controls and all that. If I'm if I am messing you up here, I'm terribly sorry. Please keep trying. It's three four seven eight five five eighty three twelve. Three four seven eight five five eighty three twelve. We look forward to to talking with you. One of the challenges uh, in, in today's world is, is, is how do you make that compelling differentiation? How do you find a way to stand out and move up? What does it take in today's crazy, wild economy to, to make that happen? What we have to do is find a way to get people talking about us, find ways to get people excited about what we are 
what we are doing, the blog Hidden Business Treasures that Michael Bennett and Cheryl Kate, mine, uh, from the National Speakers Association have it. It's, it's, it's a, go to goldencompass.com slash blog slash talk dash about dash you. Uh, or just little hidden business treasures, you'll find them. All of your worst high school fears have been realized, according to Michael and Cheryl. Uh, yes, people are talking behind your back. Now, however, there's a way to keep your ears peeled, never miss a single snarky comment, and even fight back. Well, how to keep up with what's being said about you, head straight to a cool new Internet resource called filterbox.com. That's L-P-R-B-O-X.com, F-I-L-P-R-B-O-X.com. Now, Michael and Cheryl say, we want to tell you about this, but we want to tell you the story behind it. Uh, reading from the blog, the Internet has brought vast changing speed to the business world, but perhaps the biggest and least is the change from broadcast to conversation. Without going all philosophical on you, they say whether you like it or not, you and your business are now part of an conversation. So this new conversation has a dark side, whether you're famous for your inventions, products, or more and more people want to steal them from you or borrow them without your knowledge. What you have to do is to find a way to use the tools of the Internet only to broadcast your message and have conversations about what's important to you, but also to find out if anybody is, uh, <laughs> is, is, is using what you're doing as a way to criticize your product. So the filter box is a way that organizations and individuals can track. Okay, here's, here's an example. When it comes to your company name, your own name, trademark phrases, you don't anybody says something. And, and, but at the same time, you don't want information overload. So you go back and you enter that and you sign up for that service and it will evaluate talking about you online, how they're talking about you, and the chance to see and even respond to that. So you can go on and you can sign up for a trial. Uh, let's just do I'm going to do this right now as we're going along and it will let you see what people are saying about you. So sign up for the uh, filter box trial. And just looking for the phone number. This is kind of interesting to uh, see what people are saying. So enter that. Password. Register. And we'll use the uh, filter box. You know, one of my pet peeves with any website is when you enter your phone number, there's some that want you to use the There's some that prohibit it. They tell you it's an invalid phone number if you don't put it in the dashes. Other invalid if you do. I don't know why we can't get that straightened out. By the way, if you'd like to uh, send a question on Twitter, this is Scott McCain, all one word, S-C-O-T-T-M-C-K-A-I-N, at Twitter. Send a question, send a comment, send an idea, and we'd certainly be happy to have it on here during our Labor Day show. Once again, the number, by the way, if you want to call in, Let's get that back up for you. There is a call-in number if you'd like to call and ask a question. We're going to get it. It's 347-855-8312. I wish video tonight, but for right now it's just the uh, blog talk. Call in and talk. All right, so our friends Michael and uh, Cheryl have told us about the uh, program that lets you find out what people are about you. Filter box, that's F-I-L-T-R-B-O. Uh, Jeff signed up. We're at dashboard. It says getting started box. 
create a folder. There we go. Got a business folder. Add filter. Create a search. And let's see what people are saying. Searching billions of sources. And what's doing? They're po posting the blogs. Yeah, interesting. Man, it has come up with all of the blogs, sample articles, everything that has been written that has anything about me for, I mean, it's unreal. It's got every stuff I wasn't even, there's somebody that quoted what I said in our article, I did motors, and it said Scott McCann is right, Gia, governmental motors. Uh, it even finds your Twitter posts. I mean, this is very cool. All the sample articles, all the stuff. Here's somebody who just wrote in today, what a great mail day. I received my wedding photos and the book Collapse of Distinction from Amazon. <laughs> That's an order of importance <laughs> right there that she has those listed. That's incredible. Try this out. It's a really, it'll show you blog posts, news posts, all that kind of thing. Hey, this is really neat. I want to pass this along. And MartySloan.com. Marty is a blogger and writes a blog called The Dream. Kind of interesting here. Been reading the book Collapse of Distinction by Scott. My initial thoughts on this book were somewhat skeptical. Fortunately for me, the book exceeded my expectations. The book is a great read, an insight for the church arena in which I serve, and a non-church arena where I live as an observer. In a time less loyal than ever to their business and churches, this book will stir you to be distinct, desirable, not just different. For me, the significant really hit early in the book when Scott McCain broke down a very simple question for everyone. Are we competing against the competitor or for the customer? You know, that the easiest thing for us to do is to focus on our competitors and forget the passionate customer, or in my case, the congregant. I endorse this book to all want to be the best they can be and not just different but distinct. Enjoy it. Well, I'm grateful for that very much. Thank you, Marty. That's very kind. Those are the things you're going to find out on Filterbox. So it's worth taking a look at. It's worth giving it a chance. We have had another call. I, I, and once again, if you were trying to call in, I am terribly sorry. I'm trying to figure out how to do this and have just not gotten it done. Please keep trying. I don't know if we've hung up on future shows. What we're going to have is uh, somebody from our office, probably by Tammy, serving as the show producer who will get your call screened and ready to go before, uh, before I bungle it here. So anyway, we're halfway through the program, and, and it's exciting to be with you. Thank you. It's time to be here on Labor Day weekend. And joining us on Blog Talk Radio. How are your attitudes? I use the plural there because attitude is not just a singular that we have. You might have a good attitude about your family and a bad attitude about the economy. You might have a good attitude about your and a bad attitude about your past. So many things can come into play in terms of what your attitude might. But one of the things that we need to do is to find out how we can make our attitude better and what we can do to grow that, to improve that to make our attitude where we would like for it to be. I believe we've got this uh, caller from area code 918. If I hung up on you in the past, I'm really sorry. You should be on the air now. Are you there? Yeah. Can you hear me, Scott? Yes, I sure can. Sounds great. Who's this? Mike Henry. Hey, Mike. How are you? Good. <laughs> how are you? I'm <laughs> 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 great. 
great. It's great to hear your voice after uh, so many of your Twitter posts. It's really I appreciate it very much. Thanks for calling yeah. in from Oklahoma. Yeah, so I just I saw where you were on this evening and thought I'd join in, and I've been having a little technical issues. I don't think it was you. I think it was me. So um. <laughs> I used to be on the dark ages, you know, when we were still playing records and using the tape. They were tape cartridges we'd call carts. Um, uh-huh. for the commercials. And now everything is electronic. It's on a computer program here on my Mac. And uh, I, I, I'm still the final to put on the turntable. That's how far back I go. But it's uh, uh, we're, we're doing some experimental shows over the week doing it here tonight and, and uh, just trying to get the, the kinks out and the, the bugs out. And then hopefully uh, we also have some opportunities down to, to, to do a broadcast show. So we're just trying to, you know, at that now here on uh, Blog Talk Radio and, and hopefully take it from there. Mike, for, for people that are listening in, and it's, it's interesting to look at the stats because we, we've got quite a few people that aren't tuned in right now uh, on this on this Friday night as we do this live. Uh, tell a little bit more about what you do, and and I'm, I'm fascinated in terms of, of your insights of, of leadership and your insights and of, of the things that you and I have, have gone back and forth about on, on Twitter. Would you like to take just a moment and tell, tell folks what you do? Sure, um, if I knew what it was. Um, I'm still making it up as we go. I, I'm just, you know, I, I'm, I'm passionate about leadership, and um, I've created some couple of models that I think fit me and fit more of today on leadership coaching for groups of middle managers. And I like to write about um, leadership in the workplace and uh, employee engagement types of things not so much from the, the business leadership down, but from the people leadership up. And um, oh, I so I, I say I train middle managers. I like to make people, um, help people make their box on the org chart take up more space. And as you talk with, oh, I'm sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to ask Mike, as you, as you're out there and you're talking with middle managers, what is the biggest fear that they have, given what's going on, given, given what's going on? And, and to some degree, I'm sure it varies from industry to industry, but, but generally speaking, what, where, where are their great fears right now? Well, you know, a lot of people, I get the, the, in my limited sphere, a lot of people seem to be most concerned about, you know, is, is this the new normal? You know, am I going to always be working 55 hours a week and not have time to think in between dramas that occur in the workplace? How do I get on top of my job again? It seems like, you know, they feel like they're kind of trying to race the boulder down the hill. And they have the mistaken mm-hmm. opportunity of being in the lead. And so now the boulder keeps running over them. And, uh, and so I just, there's a lot of people who are, I seem to be concerned that this is the new normal and, uh, you know, that what they used to have for help and teamwork and those kinds of things are all gone into this every man for himself mode in the workplace, at least in my experience. Yeah, yeah, well, and and how do you feel about operation that these folks have to lead? Do do we have a, a, you know, for example, one of the things that I, I I think sports are often overused when, when we talk about business, but one that perhaps works is, is bench strength. Uh, 
you know, where, where you, you have some great leaders like, you know, living here in Indianapolis, I worry if Peyton Manning goes down, <laughs> there's, there's nobody on the bench like that. And, and I, I, I worry about that for organizations, though, as well, is that some have spent so much money on the folks at the top um, that, that there's not a lot of depth, the organizations that I'm, I'm are, are you finding that? And, and what, what can be done to help prepare more leaders for the future? Well, uh, and what I, uh, yeah, I think a lot of companies are doing that or seeing that, that, um, you know, that's a problem for them too, right? Because I forget whose quote it was that, you know, a lot of the strength of business lies on its frontline supervisors because those are the people who are actually helping the folks who are doing the work. And, you know, if those people are understaffed, if they don't have enough of the tools and weapons and devices that they need, then the business really comes up short tactically over and over again. Um, one of the things I'm doing, a couple, one organization I'm working with, we're actually taking some, some frontline supervisors and middle managers and just teaching them some business principles and teaching them a little bit about how to, to, uh, kind of separate themselves from the org chart and see then how the ball, how the process moves, how profits move through the organization, and how um, and how they can help it wherever it seems to break, and giving people a bigger picture view, more of a small company mentality, even in a larger organization, so that everybody's able to um, to make a contribution that's not defined by their job description. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it, um, it, it, it sure does. You know, I was telling some technology people a couple of weeks ago that the new programming language is whatever it takes. And that's also the very common job description now. It's whatever it takes. And so let's all mm-hmm. be learning about what does it take for our business to be successful. And then, you know, a leadership is just somebody who says that, you know, this problem's not getting past me. I will pick up the trash. I will do what it takes to make sure that our company has, you know, done its job well today. But Mike, you bring up, gosh, I, I hate to keep imposing on you, asking you questions. I, I'm, I'm That's okay. I was going to ask you one. <laughs> well, so the, the, the thing that I'm wondering is, it, it seemed like the old model of leadership was the person that, you know, maybe stood up and talked the loudest and, and, and all of those kinds of things. And, and I, I, we, we have switched to a more... Uh, servant leadership, um, a leader not as, as necessarily being you know, the motivational speaker at the front of the room, but someone who does the things that, that you're talking about. Have have we successfully transitioned the perception of leadership, or or are we still fighting that people presume that leadership and and uh, let's charisma are are the same? Um, well, you know, I think there's depends on the snapshot of society you're looking at. But I think one of the neat things that's come out of some of the moral difficulties that have occurred in, you know, executive leadership such that the title CEO is almost a derogatory term anymore is that people are taking responsibility to be leaders elsewhere in the organization. We don't need the number one person in the company to be necessarily this, uh, high dollar person who comes riding in, you know, knight in white, knight in shining armor type of thing to save the company. It's everybody's job to be a leader. And there's a lot, and it seems to be a lot of passion for 
the good qualities of leadership. I often get into conversations with people who forget that leadership is not necessarily noble. There are a lot of bad leaders, a lot of good leaders who are effective at leading people in bad actions over history, right? People like Hitler come to mind. Yeah, and, sure, of course, but, yeah, great point. But but our economy and the situation that our world's in right now, we just kind of have this built-in reaction to the problem. You know, the okay, the greed from the 80s to 2000 that basically had us all becoming, you know, we all thought we were wizards in the stock market at one time or another in the last 20 years. Yeah. And, you know, and 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 now we know that it's not just about how, yeah, exactly. We, and now we know that it's not just about how much money you can take out. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. what you put back. And um and so I yeah, think I that requires I, I have Oh, excuse me. I had just a little bit of a delay for those that are listening here. I, I, I have a friend, a very good friend, who cashed out and took a lot of money out and it's back and says, you know, I, I'm I'm not happier. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I've got a nicer car, and sure, I've got a nicer house, but but I'm I'm not not happier than I than I was when I was struggling. That challenges my problems. Uh, are, are are different and and in many ways tougher. And I, you know, the funny thing about it is, I, I think most people would look at that and say, "Oh yeah, well, give me that kind of money and let me see if I'm happier." But yet, it, it, it's it's an all too common story. Uh, in that you've seen it, I've seen it. Uh, it, it, it it's not how much you cash out. It, there, not how much you have in the bank. There there's there's infinitely more to success and to happiness. Then, 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 as you point out. Yeah, we've been, I've been really fortunate, and this actually kind of, I'm going to segue into the question I was going to ask you a little bit. I've been fortunate to hook up with a lot of leadership people on the internet through LinkedIn and Twitter Mm -hmm. who are, who share with me this passion for, you know, leadership that's measured by its contribution instead of by its receipt. And, um, Mm -hmm. and so I was going to ask you a little bit. Yeah. I was going to ask you how you see, you know, the Internet enabling distinction. Because here we are, we're a group of people who are just passionate about leadership, and yet we've kind of formed our own little society, if you will, using the Internet. Do you see the the Internet making us more distinct or less distinct? Do you see us, you know, becoming more empowered in the niche? That's a, that's a great question. And, and you know, just just off the top of my head, my my first take on I think the internet makes us more of what we already are. Um, if if you big ego, the internet gives you the opportunity to do nothing but blast tweets out there about how great. If you're a slick salesperson, the internet gives you unlimited opportunity to try to get people to sign up for your marketing scheme. Who are sincerely interested in helping people grow. The Internet gives you more exposure to people with a desire for growth, and it gives you more exposure to other people who feel the same way. And and I think my biggest surprise about Twitter, other than the fact that, that, that you and I cross paths and you go to the same churches as friends, for the odds of that, you know, four thousand <laughs> miles apart, uh, I, 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 I think the biggest surprise for me about Twitter is, and, and, and social media 
has been the the authenticity of the person comes through. You know, maybe not in the first couple messages, but I've followed folks. I'll bet you could. We we if if, if you know we were pressed, we could. To, to, to name people that, you know, they put out a couple of really good tweets and you start following them and, and then they, they never retweet anyone else or they never give anything of value. It's always pushing something. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I don't mind people linking, and, and, you know, I do it frequently too, people linking to their blog. What I, what I mind is that when every link is trying to get me to sign up for something, sell me something, um, it, it, it just really surprised me that the authenticity of the person really comes through electronically, and and uh, I, I, I just think the internet makes us gives us a chance to expose more of, of what we really are. Does, does, does that does that make sense? It does. Uh, you know, because that's one of the things I've been wrestling with is um, coming out of the corporate world and trying to to make it on my own is, you know, having the courage to be me. Your book was very helpful, actually, and, you know, not trying to copy all the other leadership coaches because I'm not all the other leadership coaches. And, uh, and so I was, I was, um, I was energized by that whole, you know, it just was refreshing. It's okay to be different kind of thing. As a matter of fact, we, we, I'm, my question was a little loaded. I believe it does enable us to be, to find our, the other people who are like us. We can be more rare yeah. and still find yeah, well, people with common interests now. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and the parallel that goes along with that, unfortunately, uh, maybe fortunately, the parallel with it is something I talk about in the book is that we, we run from our own uniqueness. And and the challenge becomes if the internet and Twitter and social gives us a chance to expose what we really are and, and our authenticity, the, the the flip side of that is that's also that's also running away from, because it it appears to be safer to put the other leadership coaches or all the other authors or all the other consultants, mm-hmm. when in fact that's the most dangerous place to be in, and you know when we start putting out those distinct or different message, um, it, it doesn't, I mean, gosh, I could sit all day and write things like, if you point a finger at someone else, they're three pointing back, you know, it'll get retweeted five times, and but yet we haven't said anything. Um, it, 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 sometimes at the beginning, it's pretty lonely to do that, and, I, and, and there's another great advantage, I think that social media has brought to folks like you and me is that it has enabled us to connect with people that otherwise we've been able to connect with that who, who will be supportive of our attempts to, to, to achieve distinction and, and to exhibit our uniqueness. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm, I'm just, I'm blown away by the people that I have met online in eight months or nine months. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just, a, it's, it's a very neat, interesting experience, and I'm interested to see what comes out of all of it. So, uh, just like this conversation uh, there's, right there's here. Well, yeah, and there's another. Where's going to be? I mean, you're you're right. I mean, it's amazing to me that that, that neither you nor I have been on it for a year. <laughs> I mean, that's, a, I that's incredible. 
And, and, and it makes you wonder, where is it going to be a year from now, or, or will it even be in existence in the form that we know it a year from now? Is there going to be something that comes along? Um, it's just fascinating to me to, to, to speculate on, on where all this stuff is crazy. It is. It is. It's exciting. I'm, uh, I, I'm, would you? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. That's okay. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, would you please tell folks how they can get in touch with you and and uh, uh, what what they can do to uh, to connect with you and find out more about what what you. Yeah, certainly. Um, uh, you best way to reach me is on. Um, I have a website called the Lead Change Group, and I'm also founder of a group on uh, LinkedIn called the Lead Change Group. Can you hear me okay? I'm yeah, it just a little bit, but I, yeah, I, I, I can hear you just fine. Okay. And um, what the the group on LinkedIn, this is kind of exciting, is called the Lead Change Group as well. And I can be reached at, it's basically www.leadchangegroup.com. And um, uh, I, you know, I just I like helping people with working on their leadership and being more responsible and taking ownership for their life and their career. And so that's the, probably like the best way do, to get a hold of me. Is that mostly uh, in terms of dealing with organizations, or do you do individual personal coaching as well? Handle that. Um, well, not so much one-on-one. Actually, I've been working with a lot of CEOs in helping their direct reports, kind of the VP level and below in the middle of a company, uh, helping them in the context of their organization. I like to teach leadership over time and uh, and basically help them become learners as opposed to just a one-on-one executive coach. I like helping the people in the middle. That's what my background is. I've never really been a CEO. I've just I've reported to a lot of people and had a lot of jobs, and uh, most of them didn't get done with me before something else happened. So that's kind of how that worked. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, thanks. One last, one last question for you I've got to ask okay. because so many people ask me this. How does it feel to be out on your own after being someone who worked in organist for a, for a period of time? Well, I, I um, you know, I still – it's it's very exciting. You know, I'm a believer. Uh, I'm, I believe in a lot of different things, but I, I believe primarily in the Bible. I'm a follower of, of the Bible, and I know that I can't trust God until I get someplace to where my normal support mechanisms don't function anymore. And so we're there now, and and he's he's taking good care of us. I'm having a lot of fun. I go to I tell people I go to bed on Sunday night and wake up on Wednesday because I really <laughs> enjoy what I'm doing. And uh yeah. and he continues to provide for us. I've had some really neat miracles happen that have, you know, we're making it work and we're going to we're going to continue to the for me the most fun thing is when I can convince myself that I'm just not going to quit. And the days that are the hardest is when I become overwhelmed with some point in the future where I can't see that the light is green or that the money's coming in or something like that. And, I, you know, I just don't like to go there. And so uh, I'm having a blast. Um, that's that's and, so cool. That's so cool. So uh, it's, it's, really, it's really been a blast. 
and it's coming from the right place. I, uh, I worked with Thomas Nelson uh, in Nashville. Sent me a, a thing today, a statistic that they saw there. They said that it was almost 90% of people that say they're Christians uh, will, will pass for publicly proclaiming their faith. And uh, you, you just did it, and I know you do it frequently. So uh, it's phenomenal you're in that 10%, and, and it's uh, phenomenal that you're having some incredible things happen to you, and I, I think it's only the beginning. Well, uh, thank you, brother. I mean, I was tickled to it was just a really neat opportunity and experience to meet you. The way that we've met and interacted together is, is one of my favorite social media stories. So I just, you know, <laughs> seeing you were on the radio, I had to call in. I, I am thrilled to see you. Please do it any time. It's, it's a thrill to have you. I've already tweeted while we were talking about it. It's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm honored to uh, you would take the time to do this, and, and uh, I, I look forward to continuing the conversation and, and hope we can have it in person. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. Thanks a lot, Scott. Yeah, Mike, thank you for calling. I appreciate it. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. And that was Mike Henry Sr. If, if you're on Twitter, you got to check it out. It's Mike Henry, all one word, S-R, Sr. So it's the at I-K-E-H-E-N-R-Y-S-R. And uh, you're going to love his tweets. You are going to absolutely dig what he talks about and what he stands for and who he is and what he does. He's an awesome, awesome guy. And uh, it, it just it can't help but show up. It's so strange. Uh, a few hours ago, there was this uh, uh, post on uh, Twitter from a Dr. Jack King. It was about leadership, and he also mentioned Mike. So I, I, I wrote Jack King and said, uh, hey, if you're a friend of Mike Henry's, then you're going to be a friend of mine. And, and we tweeted back and forth, which was very cool. And, and it's just, uh, just incredible how this whole thing works on, on Twitter. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. this show continues to grow. I'm looking forward to having uh, uh, Twitter friends on here and, and getting the chance to meet with them and sharing some of the folks that I've had the chance to meet on Twitter uh, with, with you. Earlier in the show, and I, I know that people took times during the hour, earlier in the show I, I, I played uh, a segment about how attitude impacts the economy. And I uh, got a couple tweets that got in late to that, so let me repost uh, that. I'm talking about his Twitter now. I'm going to repost it. I'm going to replay it. Uh, do that uh, and then be, be right after this story about how attitude can impact with all of today's concern about the economy. I'm reminded of an old story told by speakers long ago about the impact of attitude upon economic conditions. An artist in France entered a bistro to order an expensive bottle of wine to celebrate a new commission to paint a portrait of a successful businessman. After placing his order, he noticed a wrinkled newspaper on the ground with the headline, Hard Times Coming. He called over the manager and canceled his order for wine, stating, I can't be spending like this. Hard times are coming. The manager went to the phone and called his tailor and canceled his order for a new suit. I can't be spending like this. Hard times are coming. The tailor turned to the newspaper advertising salesman in his store and canceled his order for ads. I can't be spending like this, he said. Hard times are coming. The salesman called the publisher of his newspaper and told him that clients were canceling their advertisements in preparation of the coming hard times. So, the publisher called the artist to cancel the painting of his portrait and said, I can't be spending like this. Hard times are coming. 
Our artist returned to the same bistro to order a cheap bottle of wine to drown his sorrows and noticed the same newspaper with the same headline that he had observed earlier. Picking up the front page, he noticed stains on the paper and realized it had obviously been used to pack a shipment of equipment the restaurant had received. Looking at the date, he noticed the paper had been published five years earlier. Yet because of the artist's attitude and belief that hard times were coming, he had, in fact, ensured their arrival. I've read the most accurate predictor of the economy over the past 50 years has not been any economist or economic philosophy. It's simply been when the Gallup poll asks consumers, what do you feel the economy will be in the next six months of the general population? I want to suggest if we want to begin to improve the economy, we have to begin by changing our outlook. This is Scott McCain. Sorry for the low volume there, but uh, that turned up as loud as it would go, but that's how the attitude that we have impacts our economic circumstance. I think it's true no matter what the uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average happens to be for this week. It's certainly, Mike Henry talked about that just a few minutes ago. There are people that uh, have made a lot of money, people have lost a lot of money, but regardless of that, the challenge is what's the attitude that you bring to the situation because it's certainly going to determine where you where you are. Being distinctive is absolutely and vitally important. One of the exciting things uh, for me is that Blog Talk Radio is giving us the opportunity to, to be here on the Internet and on the air with you, and we're going to do that quite often throughout the coming uh, year. Working on a brand-new book, and we're going to tie that in with what we're doing here on Blog Talk Radio. More about that coming in future shows. Also, more about Collapse of Distinction that's out there right now. Man, I'm, I'm excited. Typical author, right? I'm checking uh, how the book is doing on Amazon, and you always try to stay on top of you know what the statistics are and what the numbers are and what's going on and it goes up and it goes down and it depends on what's going on. We're in the top 100 books in America in terms of customer service and, and all that. But the other thing that has been really, really surprising, Amazon is doing a special right now where they're running a, a package of Collapse of Distinction with my other book, What Customers Really Want, for $21.11. So you get both books and with the Collapse of Distinction, you get the uh, book, you get the audio book, and you get the ebook, also part of the same package. So you get the audio book, the regular book, the ebook, a collection, and you get the soft cover, a paperback book of what customers really want, and that's all for only $21.11. Just go to Amazon.com. But the other thing that's really surprising to me is my first book, All Business is Show Business, is just killing it as a Kindle read. If you have an Amazon Kindle, Reader, you can look for all businesses show business. Now, you're going to find that on the Amazon Kindle. You get it instantly. It's number 11 in public relations books right now, number 22 in the world in customer service books for the Kindle right now. So, man, it is, it's really exciting what's going on with the Kindle of, of all businesses show business. You can get that for just under 10 bucks. Had a real thrill today. Got a, uh, a, a note from Kent Covington. Uh, who is somebody that I follow on Twitter. Kent was telling me that there is a, uh, a study out there on the 20 most important must-read growth books for small business on the planet. All businesses show business came in the top 20, came in at number 17. So uh, that was that was very exciting. Kent's down in Atlanta. He's host of uh, Advancing Your Business, a syndicated radio show that just had its start in July. So, uh, Kent, thank you so much for forwarding that to me. And, 
you so much. Uh, it's been a thrill to be with you this evening. I hope you have a fantastic Labor Day weekend. And, and one of the great things that you can do on Labor Day weekend is to use this as a time to reevaluate where you are and where you're going. You know, the, the old saying is, the past is prologue, but that's only true if you keep doing what we've always done. If you find a way to create distinction for yourself in the marketplace, if you find a way to be different than what you've been in the past, if you find a way... To, to make it exciting and to make it different, then the future will be better. There are things that you can do to change how things are right now, and that's part of what we have to focus on. If you go out and you find ways to break out of the sea of sameness, if you find ways to differentiate what you do in the marketplace, if you find ways to use the four cornerstones of distinction that I talk about in Collapse of Distinction, then you too can find a way to stand out and move up no matter what's happening to your competition. If you find clear, if you find a way to, to be creative, if you find a way to communicate more in narrative and in stories so it inspires and engages people, and if you focus on the customer experience, on what it feels like to do business with you, then I promise you, you're going to stand out and move up no matter what happens to the economy. We'll talk more about those points the next time we're on live. Thanks to the folks from Blog Talk Radio. It's been great being with you. I'll see you next time.